Hi, and welcome to The Expansive. My name is Eric. I'm one half of The Expansive Podcast. I'm a speaker and executive coach. And as always, I'm joined by my ever elegant co-host, keynote speaker and future strategist, Mr. John Sonne. What's happening, everybody? Good to be with you again. So every week we release a new episode of what, about what it means for individuals and organizations to approach the future with an expansive mind. Join us as we challenge the status quo, bands about life, and expand our perception of what is possible. So today we are speaking about playing games, big and small. But before we get to that, John, what's been happening in the news? Well, firstly, before we get into the news, because obviously there's always a lot of news that we can cover, I am quite literally five kilometers away from you, Eric. Have we ever been this close uh, and also digitally apart? Um, <laughs> You know, travel has begun yeah. again. I've just spent uh, two hours on a flight, which was quite uncomfortable because now you all of a sudden sardine canned with everybody else. But uh, I mean, I was packing yesterday and I was telling you, don't worry, I'm going to bring my mic with me so the sound is clear. And you said to me something, he's like, oh yeah, like before. And it hit me like, <laughs> oh yeah, this used to happen. I remember, I mean, I've recorded podcasts with you from a hotel room in Amsterdam, from... Um, Dubai, obviously. Uh, obviously. Dubai, obviously, many times. Uh, a bunch of different places. And um, mm. hotel rooms in Cape Town when I wasn't living there. And uh, now I'm recording it from my friend's house, uh, which is just five kilometers away from me. So, yep, back into the sort of nomadic lifestyle, packing and unpacking. And, uh, you know, the last two times I've traveled over the last two years, I've become such an amateur in traveling. I've forgotten my toothbrush <laughs> one time and the other time my underpants. And I was like, ridiculous, you know, so I had to go buy these things. And, and I've got so many underpants. Yeah. And, and, this, and time, this time I forgot my iPad. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, always, there's always something that I'm going to be forgetting. But anyway, Which, that's by the not way, the if you haven't seen John do. speak live, um, he always has an iPad mm. in his hand when he's speaking live. So it's always, it's, it's almost like my, what, I'm going to hold uh, my uh, clicker. <laughs> that's it. Just okay. the clicker. So tonight, I mean, for everybody listening, I'm doing a talk tonight uh, at Suits and Sneakers. They have um, developed a new platform, uh, which is a hybrid conference center. And so he's asked, Mark's asked uh, Richard Mulholland and I to open with Mark. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. The talk tonight is called Comfort. And uh, yeah, it's the first time I'm giving it. There's some, there's some old things in there, but definitely a lot of new things. I'm quite excited about it. And that's why I have an iPad with me. I'm on stage because I don't know what bloody slide is coming next. I'm like, <laughs> I can't remember which slide I put in there. You know what I mean? So it's like, I need to tee my words up for the next slide. And sometimes it catches you by surprise. You're on another mission of talking and then some other mm. slide pops up. And you're like, oh shit, I forgot about this slide. I need to be talking about this as well. So yeah, anyway, uh, looking forward to it. Really nervous actually for tonight, uh, being in front of a live audience, um, quite nerve wracking. And especially in front of my contemporaries. I know Gilan is coming you're going to be there richard is there mark is there it's like so many other speakers and so many other authors are there so yeah it's going to be an exciting evening yeah, uh, definitely won't be it. judging you too harshly so don't worry eric it's impossible mr perfectionist uh, impossible for you <laughs> to be not judging too hard and also just for the listeners very very cool uh, looks like eric is on his way to move to cape town uh which yes, is very cool yeah. Uh, yeah congratulations super excited yeah hopefully november yeah. will be there yeah, we yes. can have the expansive yeah, studio. Definitely. But I was saying to speaking to someone a bit earlier, and they said, "Oh, cool, because then you you we be close to John." I'm like, "No, because I'm going to get to Cape Town, then Joe, uh, John is going to be going to Dubai again." So, like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> well, look for about three four months. I'll be there with you. So, yeah, we can definitely set okay. up a studio there. 
But let's get stuck into today's uh, topic. I think it's a really good topic. And I think something that we all are involved with without even realizing we're involved with storytelling. And like every uh, week, we like to just touch on two big stories that have been happening in the news. And obviously, the big, big story right now is Taliban taking over Afghanistan, America having pulled out in the past. Um, lots of people very scared, lots of horrific pictures coming in from the airport around people trying to escape. And then on the other side of it, you have Taliban also having news conferences that are telling people that they're not going to be as harsh as they used to be. Um, I guess, you know, they, they realize it's not working. They need to have some economic process uh, that they need to work. And being that harsh uh, stops a lot of economy happening. But it's a harsh process, you know, it's a t difficult thing. And, and what I always am surprised by is you see them have taken over those offices, but nobody's smiling. All mm. of them still look incredibly angry and upset. And I just think to myself, well, then what's the point of having taken a country over? But the game they're playing is incredibly powerful. In fact, more powerful than Russia and America. Both Russia and America have um, attacked Afghan, Afghanistan over the last 20, 30 years, and both of them have not won. And here we are back to square one and the Taliban have taken over again. And so the long game that the Taliban have been playing, and it's really just because of their why. Their why mm. is their religion. And I personally think it's a skewed version of the religion because I think Islam is a beautiful, beautiful religion living in Dubai. It's a lot of peacefulness, a lot of kindness. And you saw when all the tragedy was happening in South Africa, a lot of Muslim communities were feeding people that were hungry. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Islam, but in this guise of it, I don't think anybody can be a fan of it unless you're such a hectic uh, uh, sort of um, militant like they are. But the game they're playing is a long-term and very powerful one. What are your thoughts? Mm. Yeah, I think I'll just agree with you that, um, you know, through the lens that we're looking at today, everything's about the games that we choose to play. And not mm. only do you get to choose the game that you're going to play, but you also choose your commitment to that game. And mm. if you are someone who's committed and convicted in the game that you'll play, you'll always outplay the, your opponents. Like, it'll always happen mm. because you have mm. time. Like, that is the one thing that you are committed to. So, yeah, I think what's happening is very scary. And it's, um, sure, I mean, it feels like the world is just compounding trauma and sadness at the moment. Uh, it, it, like it, it's not stopping at all. And it's very difficult mm. to be sitting where we are sitting, looking at these things happening, trying to understand what people are going through. It's impossible to do that. But, mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's part of this big recalibration, I guess, that we are going through as well. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's really a sad place. But if we look at technology, there's another story in the news this week is talking about Microsoft is looking to use Ethereum blockchain to prevent piracy. And this is a mm. big move because we're starting to get these major businesses. I mean, I think they're the second highest valued company in the world. And they're now starting to speak about blockchain and they start starting to incorporate it and they're building it on top of the Ethereum platform on top of blockchain. And Really, that's an incredible move from them because with blockchain, we know that you have this ability to um, have no centralized security, but a decentralized security, meaning that every computer in the world is actually a security system for you, utilizing the blockchain decentralized security system. So Microsoft moving into this place is interesting because it's now no more a fringe process. It's now becoming a mainstream process. And soon enough, a lot of our 
banking and a lot of our sort of information will start going onto the blockchain and not just onto the internet. And this again is a great idea of how Satya Nadal looks at the world. You know, Satya Nadal is playing a long game. He's not there playing a mm. short game. And the CEO previously, Steve Barmer, who was a clown by all means, was playing a total short game. You know, it was an absolute clown. I'm sure he was taking plenty of drugs backstage because, I mean, the guy was just out of hand in many, many mm. circumstances, playing the short game. Everything was about competition, killing the competition. He spoke really badly about the iPhone. And I'm sure that that, that quote hasn't aged well because he said it's just a, it's rubbish. It's not going to last long. And Microsoft not getting into the cell phone game was definitely about him. But if you come and think about Satya Nadal, and I listened to an interview by a senior person at Microsoft, and he said when Satya Nadal arrived, he moved us from a know-it-all culture to a, a learning culture. Mm. And, the, and the Steve Barmer was the know-it-all, and the Satya Nadal is the learning culture. And what is a learning culture? It's a long game. It's a mm. process of collaboration. It's about incorporation. It's about partnerships and opening it up to as many different players as possible. And that's such an adult speech over and over and over. We're here to help other people become great and we're here to partner with other people to do so. And I love mm. the fact that he is taking this next step into the blockchain, being quite public with it and playing the long game and educating us along the way. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that's the perfect segue actually just to get into today's episode. Because um, mm. as, as people can hear, you know, we are playing a lot with this idea of um, what is the game that you are playing? And mm. earlier in the week, Seth Godin released an episode on his podcast called The Kimbo, where he talks about the fact that we are always playing games. We are playing big games. We are playing small games. And you have to choose. Like, you don't get away from this. Everyone has to play a game. It's just how intentional are you being with playing that game and how good are you and how well do you understand the rules and how well are you leveraging yourself through the game? And ultimately what happens is that we... We are constantly dealing with new inputs as the world is shifting. And because of those inputs, we have to make certain decisions. And we make those decisions because we have limited resources at our, at our disposal. And so you have to constantly be reallocating your resources in order to play a better game. And so therefore, it's, it's important to understand which game you're playing and what are the rules of these games because your decision making will then ultimately affect the outputs that you create. So he says that there are, there are big games and there are short games, or small games. And I think the way that I'd, I'd like us to phrase for today is we, if we look at the games we play in our personal lives, is that essentially there's one big game, right? And one big game is this game called your life. And you are steering this in a very specific direction. There's something very specific that you want to achieve with it. But then hopefully, intermingled. Hopefully you know. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. You know. Yeah. And then intermingled, there are like a ton of small little games that you are playing as well. And these range from, I guess you can call them small. Friendships. Let's, let's call them medium. Let's call them medium-sized and small. Like medium-sized would be yes. the friendships that you have. The things yeah. are still very important, right? Um, mm. And then smaller things would be, for example, like the social media game that you are playing, the brand mm. that you are building, like the smaller decisions mm. that you have to make every single day. So mm. what I thought we could do is talk a little bit about playing the game and how we can play it better. Great. I like that, you know, and uh, I think we all have to realize, you know, in Simon Sinek's words, we have infinite games and finite games. And mm. most people are playing finite games. And what we need to start playing is understanding that the big picture game is an infinite game. It's a forever game. And that forever game is about what legacy you want to leave for people when you leave the business, the job, 
your life, whatever it is. What is the memory? What is the flavor that you leave them with? Um, and that's the infinite game. You know, you're playing the long game. You're playing a more elegant and more conscious and more patient game, which is really what we are all hoping the leaders of the world will do. But unfortunately, we are dealing with uh, people that have that have framed the world in finite games. And a world that's framed in finite games can only see each other as competition, never as collaborators, can only see enemies around, never as partners. And so, you know, in tonight's talk, I talk about the, the, the problem we have in the world is one of framing and the leaders around the world, um, China and America, for example, the two old men that are running those countries are playing finite games. They're not playing infinite mm. games. I'd like to think that Xi Jinping is playing a much more infinite game because He's not playing, he's president for life, right? Whereas old Biden's only there for another three and a half years or so. So he's playing a very finite game and, 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 and Xi Jinping's playing an infinite game. But when it comes to each other, they see each other as enemies. They don't see each other as friends. And that framing is a problem. And again, it's about playing the right game. Now, if we had the right mm -hmm. leaders in place around the world, we would definitely have a more conscious approach to what's happening around us. You know, this short-term profitability, finite game. This ability that we want to make staff work as hard as possible for as little money as possible. Finite game. It's not an infinite game, right? So mm. overarchingly, I think that we're playing an infinite game. And being patient in it is awesome. But then you get finite games. And the finite game, for example, what I just recently did, the Ironman, that's a finite game. You know, I had mm. a period of mm. time to get fit in, have the diet, blah, 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 get it right, and on the day, run the race, and then that's it. That's the finite sort of game that I played there. But then you also get many different sort of smaller and bigger versions, friendships, people that you want to keep in your life and people that you don't want in your life. What sort of games are you playing with them? I have a funny game when it comes to food, you know. I'm an excellent, excellent eater. I eat really well until about 8.30 at night, and then I became a – I play, uh, uh, eat terrible food. I don't know why, because it's kind of like <laughs> relax into it. So I have a, I have a funny game when it comes to food. You know, I, I'm really good with it until like I get tired and exhausted and I just want to, I change the game. So I think these games are going on all around us. We need to decide which ones are finite and which ones are infinite. Mm. Yeah. And I think that awareness, you know, it's always step number one. Like no matter what, what change you are trying to drive in your life, uh, no matter, what you're trying to improve, the first step is always, can I have the awareness? And I think when we look at the world through games, it brings a really interesting level of awareness to it because it also, there's a, a playfulness, I guess, that comes with it just right off the bat is that we get mm. to play. We don't have to, it's not this like grind or hustle. It's, there's a playfulness. But I also mm. think when you look at games just in general, they provide a nice framework for how we can improve our lives or how we can be better at the things that we care about. And to start at the beginning, you know, so you're speaking tonight with Rich and um, so Rich Maholland and like John was saying, he's a keynote speaker as well. He's an avid uh, game boarder. I mean, he has like That's a thousand, right. board a game, thousand different board, board game, games. Man. Yeah. What did I say? Yeah. Game boarder. Yeah, what would a game, game boarder board. be? Game boarder. A skateboarder. <laughs> so um, I don't know because he's also a skateboarder, <laughs> <a> gameboarder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the one thing I, I learned very early from him was that he always spoke about this thing called the victory condition. So I feel yeah. like once we can, once we are identified that okay, we are playing games and we have that level of awareness that 
as you were just mentioning, there are infinite games and there are finite games, meaning that there are long-term games and there are short-term games that we are playing and that we are playing games at different levels. And some of those games have a bigger impact on our lives and in our businesses than other games do. But you have to play at every level. And the way that you choose which game to play is ultimately going to dictate a lot of the success that you achieve in life or the kind of relationships you have, etc. So once you've accepted that, then it's really important that we also understand what our victory condition is going to be. So this is the thing that, that Rich spoke about. Was what is your victory condition? Because every game that we play has a victory condition. If you are playing chess, then the victory condition is that you have to capture the king. If you are playing golf, then the victory condition is that you have to have the lowest amount of strokes on any given hole. And it sounds so simple when we say that because I think all we're trying to say here is you have to have a goal. You have to know what winning looks like. But I you know, I'm always very surprised that when we start breaking it down and we say, well, what does winning look like in your relationships? Often people don't have answers to that. Like, I mean, if you mm. ask me, I'm not even sure that I have an answer to that at the moment. So it's not that I'm, abscond- uh, that I'm free from that. But I think mm. the clearer we can be on what a victory condition is for the games that we are playing, both big and small, the more intentional we can be in creating that victory condition. And without it, you are simply playing this game on autopilot and there's no way that you're actually going to end up being the victor. Yeah. 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 I like that. You know, I, I would add to that a failure condition uh, mm. to also know when you're not winning so that you're not yeah, just keep right. doing what it is that is in the failure condition. So both are important. And, you know, it's so funny. I made it, I changed, and, you know, victory conditions can change, right? So For my sure. victory condition pre-Ironman was to finish the Ironman. My victory condition post Ironman was to hibernate like a big bear <laughs> with a belly in the winter of Cape Town. And so I love that meme the other day. It went out. It said, I'm everything you've ever dreamed of with a belly. And it's funny because my <laughs> victory condition changed to I actually want to sleep in to 7, 7.30, something I've never done in my life. And pre-Ironman, uh, my victory condition was totally different. So you can mm. change your victory conditions on these sort of processes. And if we think about your career, Eric, and our, both our careers, you know, we have incredible amounts of work that we put in behind the scenes to build talks, build strategy sessions, research, read, write, edit, you know the story, write the books, PR them, and you just keep going. Even this podcast is part of our career. Mm. And then you don't always get immediate feedback. You don't always get immediate clients. And then, you know, six months down the line, you will all of a sudden get a rush of clients coming. And that shows that you're playing a long game because if you're measuring success based on weekly sales in our business, you're going to be having a terrible time of it. But if you're playing the the long game and you're playing the infinite game, you're constantly improving and you're constantly putting content out there and slowly but surely these things start to come around and start to pop and start making sense. So it's also important to realize not to give up because if you are playing the long game, you then don't give up. You're, you're much more uh, patient and you also mm. invest more and you're waiting longer for profits and returns. And that's playing a game of patience. But if you're mm. impatient, then obviously you can never build anything long term. So be clear on your victory condition, but be as clear in your failure condition. Because if your victory condition for me was to still wake up at five o'clock and go train in the flipping freezing dark cold of Cape Town at 6 a.m., which I never want to do uh, again, because it's just, a, it's a horrible thing to do, but unless, unless I have a race, right? I was a horrible, mm. but if I, my victory condition was still to do that and I kept sleeping in, geez, then I'd be in a totally miffed place about it. You know what I mean? So mm. important to know, one, we're playing games. There are multiple layers. 
sign up for the game, get involved and understand which is your victory condition, which is your failure condition, what actions are required for those, and be clear that you can change those conditions as you go along, as and when you feel mm. you need to. What this reminds me of as well is that essentially you are the game master, right? Like mm. this is your game to play. You get to choose. Mm. And mm. what you've hit on now is that firstly, that you can decide what the victory conditions are. And in certain mm -hmm. instances, that's going to be very true. In certain other instances, there's going to be a victory condition set for you. You know, if you mm -hmm. want to compete in the market, there's going to be a certain victory condition that says, well, if you don't do, let's say, $2 million per year, then your business won't survive. Mm -hmm. Whatever. It's like, th there are going to be certain victory conditions imposed on you. But mm -hmm. to a large extent, there are many victory conditions that you can control. Something I'll never forget that you said to me, which layers in well to this, is that you also need to know the rules of a game so you can break the rules of a game. And, you know, for example, um, and I'll, I'll remind you of what you told me just now, but mm. when you know the LinkedIn game, for example, like mm. when you realize that the LinkedIn algorithm works in a certain way, then it also means mm. that you understand, oh, well, actually, like, let me not post a link in my main section. Let me post in the comment section. And what you're mm. doing is that you are slightly breaking the rules there because the rules are actually saying mm. that you, or, or typically how we think about it is you post everything in the main section of your body, of your, mm. of your posts, mm. right? But mm. now because you're starting to understand the game, you're starting to figure out, well, how do I tweak the game? How do I, how do I turn it into my favor? Um, there was another example that I had. Uh, if I look at my speaking career, I think, you know, my career has been fast-tracked compared to many other speakers. And it's not necessarily because of me playing the game well. It's because there were certain shortcuts that I was able to unlock. And what that looked like was that I was able to very early on align with the likes of yourself, Mark, Richard. And because you guys were much further along than me, but still uh, understood my work ethic, you guys brought me along on the journey. You opened up doors for me. I think I've, I've had more international gigs because of you than because of me. You know, but, but all of that has accelerated my career in a very big way. And so I think understanding the rules of the game means you can also think, well, not in an unethical or weird way, but where can I find ways that I can kind of shortcut the process? Because there's always cheat codes. Like any game has a cheat code. So like, what is the cheat code that will help me to achieve my victory condition, perhaps in a shorter time or in a more effective way? So what I remember from what you said, um, and you can probably, as soon as I tell this, you will be able to tell it better than I can. But you said something about like when you were boarding the plane initially, uh, when you were like just starting to fly a lot and, and do a lot of traveling, you said like when people boarded and they went into economy, there was a difference in the way that people were perceiving the world, like economy versus business versus first. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I don't remember the details actually. What was, I, I did not, like I made a video about it. I wrote about, did I yeah. write it about it in my book, I think. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I can't remember. I it came down to, I remember the punchline, which was that, that the, mm. per, the people in first class, they made their own rules. That initially yes. you get to, this, oh, here we go. Rules. No, no, I know it. I know it. I know the here rules. I know, if I remember, I remember. It's the three levels. I mean, look, I, I bastardized the story, but it's the three levels of consciousness. <laughs> Um, one, you're running around from pillar to post. You don't even know there's rules. You don't even know there's a game. 
then the second level of consciousness is, oh, there's, a, there's rules. And if I follow these rules, I can become more successful. The third mm. level of consciousness is I make the rules. This is actually my game. It's like, uh, why am I following somebody else's rules? And yeah, so I, yeah, I kind of broke. That's such a, yes, Eric, that's such a great memory. So that one came from a Jordan Peterson interview I listened to. And he was talking about the three levels of consciousness. And so when I was traveling a lot, I was sitting in business class and I was like, yay, guess what? I learned how to play the rules of the game. Mm. And now I'm getting flown around the world business class by clients because those were part of what I was building towards. But then, you know, as all ambitious people do, you're sitting in business and you're like, hang on a second. What are those people in first class doing? It's like, oh, okay, those are totally different people there. Those people are paying 200,000 Rand for the, to this, for the flight or $20,000. It's like, hang on, how the hell do, can they afford that? And, mm. oh, they've got a different version of the game that they're playing, you know? Mm. And this really boils down to when I was a kid. And I come from a single mom family and, I mean, we, we didn't have money and I remember seeing Mercedes Benzes and I remember very clearly my mom used to earn 750 Rand a month which is about uh, in today's terms $50 <laughs> Jeez, that's $50 wow. a month <laughs> anyway she used to earn $50 a month and um, I, I remember BMW no Mercedes Benzes there was the there was that big I, I, I can't I don't know I don't know what model it was but when I was eight years old they were 28,000 Rand I remember that and I used to think to myself who in this God's world has 28,000 Rand, which is $1,000, maybe $1,200 when my mom was making $50. And I didn't realize there were all these levels of games as an eight-year-old boy. I was just totally befuddled by it. I just couldn't understand it. So yeah, great, great point there. You know, the three levels of playing the game. I don't know I'm in a game. I'm going to follow the rules to get better. I'm going to make the rules to be the best. Mm. That's mm. such a fantastic finisher to this podcast and this section yeah. of playing games. Yeah, that's great. Love that. Yeah. Shall we go to questions? You know, uh, yeah, let's do that. That's a very good um, segue to the next section, which is that we've recently launched a WhatsApp group. If you haven't joined us there yet, we would love for you to connect with us. Uh, the number is plus two seven six four six four one one seven zero one. We'll also leave that somewhere in the show notes for you. But essentially, every week we take voice notes from our listeners and then we answer them here on the show. So let's see what we have this week. And just this week, we had so many. I don't think we can actually even get to all of them, um, but we'll try and get to as many of them as possible. And just to let you all know, we don't listen to these pre, well, I don't listen to them pre, preempting. I think um, our producers do um, so that you make sure that nobody's uh, swearing or doing any of those things and making them not too long. <laughs> but uh, we haven't listened to them. And so this is off the bat straight away. Go for it. Here we go. Oh, well, good day, John and Eric. Um, my question for you guys today is how can one learn from failure and overcome fear? And does meditation really help? Cool. We didn't get a name there, uh, but did you catch the voice note? Yeah. Um, how do you overcome failure and does meditation help? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. How do you learn from failure right? and overcome fear? And yes. And does meditation help? You want to tear it up? Okay. Meditation. First of all, let's just start there. I'm an avid meditator. I have been for 15 years. I mean, recently I haven't been meditating. Uh, it's part of my victory condition to be lazy over the last three months, but meditation is a wonderful place. It's because there's too to much money. That's why. Because the more money what? there is, the less meditation you do. <laughs> 
No. <laughs> meditation is only a tool to bring in money, right? So, no. So the it's more money, not, the less meditation, not. the less money, the more I meditation. Mean, no, no, no. So I think the thing is, is there are meditations to bring about abundance. And there's also meditations to bring some sort of stillness, clarity, and objectivity into your life. And you start to realize when you go into that meditation is that when you move from beta and alpha brain waves into theta brain states, in that theta brain state, for the very first time, you become an observer to your life and not actually a player. And that is really powerful because you separate yourself from the activity. You become a spectator of the activity. It's almost as if uh, you're sitting in the stands watching a football match instead of being a player in the football match. And so meditation is this wonderful place to create any of sort of reality you want, whether it's money, a relationship, a healthier body, or just go into a state of stillness and listen to that wisdom and listen to that innate voice that's always speaking to us. But because we're so busy being busy, we never hear it. So that's the place to want to go into for meditation. And of course it helps because the question is around fear and around uh, failure. So if you go, once you've done the meditations and then you get to the point where you realize that fear is a fictitious idea that you've just conjured up in your beta and alpha brain states. And there's actually just a story that you're telling yourself about what you're supposed to be fearful of, or you're dragging your past into your future with you. And then in that guise, you are fearful of certain things because that's the repetition or the patterning that you come from. Meditation gives you that stillness, that objectivity, that spectator process where you can see mm. the story for what it is and you can see it dissipate and disappear right in front of your eyes. So yeah, mm. overcoming fear, there's many, many ways to do that. Meditation is one of them. Another one of them is healing your memories, your trauma from your past. And also two, being clear on which game you're playing. Is it a long-term, short-term, or medium-term? What are your victory conditions? What are your failure conditions? And then you can ascertain whether you should be fearful or not. But most of the time, fearfulness is really just a victim of your imagination. So it's not really worthwhile putting too much energy into it, but really focusing on what you're trying to create. And if you're so busy creating what you're creating and you've accessed your genius, guess what? You have no time for fear. Mm. Yeah, well said. I think all I'll add to that is I've also I'm also an avid meditator, um, depending on how much money there is in the bank account. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I think you're meditating for the wrong reasons, but yes, okay, that is one <laughs> reason to meditate. But uh, I'm just joking. But um, no, I, I do love meditation. <laughs> well, I, I do do the abundance meditation the most. I won't lie about that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> joke, yes. Joke and, depends on and what happened this week? And what happened this week? You got six <laughs> clients sign up. Chase, you've been meditating hard, yeah, Eric. I've been meditating super hard, dude. Um, so, yeah, so meditation is the one thing. Um, what I would say only about the learning from failure thing is that I often think when, when we ask questions like that, we are looking for something that is unique and special and, and a, a well-kept secret in some way. Whereas, like, if I had to turn that question back on whoever asked it, you know, they'll probably have the answer right there. Like, they'll know exactly how to learn from failure. Mostly it comes down to actually doing a, a good post-mortem on whatever went wrong. So it's just being more intentional again. It's, it's sitting down and saying, well, actually, what happened here? And let me not just assume the obvious. Let me go a bit deeper. Let me look at the data, the analytics, the environment, the people, the mindsets, the actions that we took. Like, let me like just pull things apart a bit and see what really happened so that I can learn from it and, and make some informed decisions moving forward versus how we often do it is we look at failure we go oh it must have been this and then like you could very well be wrong about this 
and then actually you've learned nothing or you've learned the wrong lesson yeah so it's almost like it's almost like uh interrogating what part That's of the a- process is making you fearful because it could just be one of them you know i did this exercise with a coach a couple of weeks ago and one of the things is i like my teams to be incredibly professional and I get stressed when they're not. And the reason is I don't want to be perceived as unprofessional. Mm. And so my stress is actually coming from my need to be perceived as professional. And if I can't communicate that well enough to my teams, then they understand what's a priority for me. And coming across at every touch point of being professional is so, so important for me. So my stress mm. and my fear, I need to pinpoint it where it is, unpack it, and then be able to deal with it. Good question. Let's move on to the next one. Cool. Next one. Hi, Eric and John. My name is Conchera. I am from Clarkstall. I just want to find out, do you think that board games can help with childhood development? So, like, if you think of Monopoly um, and the property development in general, and, like, chess with strategy, do you think that is possible, that it can help with childhood development? Thank you. So, I've, I've told you before, but I'm an avid gamer. And, like, my, my mom's psychologist. And for years, we were trying to persuade her that allowing us to play games is actually good for our brains. And most of the times, it didn't work uh, until recently when there's been a plethora of research that's coming out now to show that playing games is really good for the brain. And I think she knew it. I just didn't think she wanted us playing video games until whatever time at night. But yes, I think like when you look at, um, look, I mean, I'm not a developmental expert at all when it comes to, to kids' development. But I do know that when you look at uh, the research, there's a very large body of research that says uh, playing games is great for children from a hand-eye coordination, uh, cognitive development. And I know that there's even games that are being released and developed specifically with the intent of helping children uh, develop uh, differently in a, in a cognitive manner, but also from a stress, anxiety, um, like mental health point of view. So I think... In times to come, in, in fact, there was actually a game recently. Uh, it was the first game to be accredited almost as medicine, right? Like, I, I, mm. I can't remember the details, but I remember seeing it, that it was the first mm. game that could actually be prescribed for kids with a certain condition mm. because of the way that it helped them out. So, yeah, I definitely wow. think that there's in, tremendous value uh, in having kids play the right kind of games very early on, board games or all video look, games. Yeah, I think, look, decision-making on the fly is a really important thing, and a lot of games have to force you to make decisions very quickly mm. on the go. And also uh, collaboration. Uh, you have to collaborate with people from around the world in many of these teams, or if not, just on your board game. Um, so this opportunity to think strategically, to think short-term and long-term, to make decisions on the fly, um, and, and also collaborating. I think these are all wonderful processes, but like with anything, the intentionality behind what you're doing is important. In other words, I can train because I hate my body or I can train because I love my body. We've all heard that cliche saying, but games is the same thing. You know, the application that you're putting into it with your family, your kids, whoever it is, what are you going in for? Is it to go and escape? That's also awesome. But if you're only going to escape all the time, that's not going to help anything. And if you become practical about it and intentional about it, I think you can utilize many things as helpful processes for kids and adults. So it's not, it's not one or the other. I think both can, can benefit from these sort of things. Listen, um, can you imagine five or 10 years into the future when a kid is strapping on a VR headset and just from 
like the middle of Africa, they get access to the world and they get to play collaborative games with people from across the world, educational games with people from across the world in a world that feels real to them. I mean, I look at VR, dude, and I, like the, the innovation in health. If I had that when I was studying physiotherapy, like I think mm. my studies would have been totally different because you, mm. you put on this VR headset, you see the body in front of you, and you just like, mm. you pick it apart, you know, and like you point to mm. it and it gives you the name. And like, I think your mm. learning must be so enhanced. I mean, we had cadavers, mm. so like, I'm not complaining because it, it's a pretty interesting experience having to cut into a cadaver. Uh, but I think like what an incredible thing. No, dude, mm. it's, it's something you have to experience at some point. <laughs> not for me, thank you. Not a game I'm signing up for anytime soon. I, even my own blood makes me faint, bro. Now I must go see other things. No, thank you. I'm quite fine. I was never built to be a doctor, that's for uh, sure, or a basketball player. Listen, um, with that, uh, okay. final notes. So thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the Expansive Podcast. We hope we added some value into your understanding of the games that you're playing, also building those uh, victory conditions and failure conditions. And we hope that you're living a more expansive life after listening to the Expansive Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do share it with a friend and please do look after yourself in these tumultuous times. And once you've done that, please go look after somebody else. Eric? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think there was an incredible episode. I think it's such an interesting uh, lens to view the world through as the games that we play. And I really do hope that everyone leaves this, uh, this podcast with a lot more intentionality in thinking about the long-term games and the short-term games and how they can support each other and being intentional about the leverage you apply to the game and ultimately knowing what your victory condition is. Um, just a quick reminder as we end this episode that there are a few ways you can connect with us. You can book either John or myself to speak at your event. We also do combined learning experiences for teams. Uh, please make sure to join us on WhatsApp. Uh, this way you become part of the expansive community and we can answer your questions here on the show, just like we did right now. Uh, a quick reminder that number is plus two seven zero six four six four one one seven zero one. We look forward to chatting you soon. Have an incredible week ahead. And if you do feel so inclined, we would love a five-star review from you on iTunes. Until next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Ciao.